1: You're listening to the Southern Outdoorsman Podcast.
0: Make sure you like and subscribe to the podcast. You can check us out on Facebook, Instagram, and YouTube. If you'd like to support the show, you can go to patreon.com forward slash
1: the southern outdoorsman. Now let's get to the episode. All right, guys, that's going to wrap that one up with Doug, a.k.a. Palmetto Kid. What would you think,
0: Jacob? Excited, man. It was awesome. Kind of gives you a different perspective of how he's approaching, you know, out of state trips, which is, we're going to talk about it, kind of, you know, our take on it too, because it's, it's, it's different. You know, he's kind of going in and he's looking at areas where it's not just a ton of dynamite looking spots. It's just like one or two or three, maybe that he's kind of speed scouting, checking out, making sure it's exactly what he's looking for before he puts the time in instead of like going to an area where there might be, you know, 10 or 12 or 15 dynamite spots. And then, you know, kind of bouncing around. Mm-hmm. Mike, what about you?
2: Yeah. Uh, One thing I wanted to bring up in the podcast was something I brought up uh, in another podcast about a different topic, and that was something that Dave T. on The Hunting Beast had brought up to me when we were talking about something on there, and that was your limiting factors, and that being your food, water, cover. And basically, it sounds like he was applying that that same principle to rut-related stuff like bedding, funnels, like which one is going to be the more limited one. And that's what he was placing most of his focus on. So I thought it was really good. That's awesome.
1: Yeah, I, I like it because uh, he's, he's like analytically minded, I guess you could say. And he's interested in finding those patterns and being able to replicate it. And like being, I'm a map guy. I love like the idea of finding something on a map and being able to like figure out what was good about it and relate that to other areas to cut down on your scouting time or your hunting time or anything like that. That's just a really cool subject to me. And it's something we'll get into this in a minute, but this new property I've been looking at is that's what I've been doing since like, I don't know, two or three days ago, just kind of map scouting this place. I I went back to where we've had success over the last two or three years. And I looked at all the spots where I've either killed, missed or seen like a good mature buck in daylight or where you guys have, where I know you have. And I looked at all those spots Tried to figure out what was consistent, and I'm trying to apply that to this new property to see what I find. What, what did you find that was consistent? What did I, um, So, man, I, I had have to been, put you on the spot. It's <laughs> just, it's just, it's just, it's just, hey, let's hold his feet to the fire, Mike. Let's go. <laughs> all right, this is hill country. All right, I got, I got you. <laughs> it's so it's all you have your main creeks, right? So your big, not little branches and stuff, but like your main creek drainages. And if you zoom way out, which I think that's what we talked about, Paul, with Paul, if you zoom way out you'll see uh, how like the landscape actually lays. You'll you'll see like this Creek and it comes over here and hits this one and they both feed into that one. And that those big main Creek drainages are what, are what creates like your main Ridge systems. So mm-hmm. in between every Creek, there's like a Ridge and they're separated by those main Creeks. And I was looking for like a long straight Ridge that is in between uh, preferably two ridges that have good bedding on them that have large, Again, large, massive saddles on them, and especially when I go back and I look at where we've seen a lot of bucks, a a bunch of them are, like, in one of those saddles, almost Mm -hmm. every single one of them, and saddles that I didn't realize were there until, like, the last three days when I was looking at them. Like, I was talking to you about that buck you missed a couple years ago. Mm -hmm. He's in one of those saddles, and so uh, I found a spot like that on this property, and that's where I marked those, all those uh, pins at on that one, on that one ridge, and The one specific one that stands out, kind of like what Doug Doug talked about, finding the spot that, like, just looks really good on the map that you have a lot of confidence in, and it's exactly that. You've got one – it's kind of hard to explain, but almost like I call it like a big fat ridge. Like, it's not long and skinny. It's like a large, like, fat ridge in a way, Um, and then you've got, like, a long skinny ridge that comes down beneath it, and then you have, like, another big fat one that isn't, like, pointed or anything like that. The ridge on top and the ridge on bottom are, like, big, round. They're not pointed. They're not skinny. They're not really long. They're just, like, blobs. And they both have great bedding cover on them. (laughs) Jacob's pointing to his torso.
2: (laughs) I thought you were pointing to your
1: boobs.
2: (laughs) It's the whole package, Mike. It's the whole package. One blob over here, one blob over here. Oh, my gosh. (laughs) It's it's the valley. Hashtag sheep shape. Hey, and then you got your... (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> then you got your hairy chest in the middle. It connected two bed areas. Dude, just get that thick cover, bro. Listen. <laughs> this podcast just took a turn for the weird. <laughs> oh my gosh!
0: What's the OnlyFans account, Mike? Big bug bangers. <laughs> <laughs> we had somebody comment on. Uh, that's, we told this derail this conversation, but we had somebody comment on one of the posts we made. Uh, I think which one it was from. It might have, it might have been the, the trail camera photo post that we made from this past week, and uh, some guy commented about some comment someone else made about like, "Oh, this is from this has got to be like content from the Big Book Bangers um, OnlyFans account." <laughs> <laughs> and you know, Mike's not on Facebook, so he can't see the laugh or comment or anything. But was yeah, send yeah, me in a text message. Yeah,
1: absolutely.
2: <laughs> oh, and then the Chick-fil-A Chick Fil A chick. That was fun. That was oh hilarious. My gosh. That, that was it fun. took me a minute to get it, yeah. and it took you a minute to get yeah, it, too. Yeah, you yeah. didn't get it until after I was no, it. I was, I was like,
1: rolling when I saw it. And I'm not going to explain it. I want people to go sift through our Facebook and find it and follow us while you're there. Yeah, absolutely. <laughs> hey,
0: follow us on Instagram. But, hey, back to your conversation about these uh, large landscape funnels before we started talking about myself as being a large landscape <laughs> terrain feature. Yeah.
1: <laughs> <laughs> um, so you got you got the two
2: like big blob ridges, <laughs> and then the ginger forest in between. <laughs> oh my
1: gosh! Oh man! <laughs> so you got both of these, and they both have thermal hubs in between them. And uh, wait, what do you mean by thermal hubs? Hey, just explain. A bowl. Where where's so a
0: bowl? We gotta get better into terminology. I've come to realize that. I part. think
1: we ought to just do an episode on terminology. That's gonna be the easiest way. And then if people if people don't know it or we're talking about, then be like, Hey, go back and listen to this one. It's the whole guide. That and some of the videos are gonna come out, we're gonna kinda I think you know, mm-hmm. go over a lot of stuff. For, for sure. But yeah. All right, keep going. So just just where several of those branches come together. So again, talking about the differences between like main creeks and branches feeder creeks or feeder creeks yeah of the bowls i'm talking about are what some people would call a crow's foot and it's at a higher elevation than that main creek drainage uh and where those where those branches come together that's what forms your bowl and it's just an area where multiple things meet uh and it's just an intersection
0: multiple ridge points drop to one
1: spot yeah multiple ridge points drop to one spot um so there's there's a bowl on Basically, so you got your two, your two big fat ridges, and you have your one skinny ridge that kind of cuts right between them. And that one skinny ridge is pretty tall, pretty dramatic, and not very wide across. So there's saddles that go through it, and there's only two saddles on it. And one of them looks good. You know, it's just a good saddle, a lot of diversity leading up to it. But the other one is kind of, again, up at the, there's, a, there's some crow's feet that come up, thermal hub, bowl, whatever you want to call it. And there's basically a crow's foot on both sides of uh, the saddle that basically cuts this ridge in half. So, again, you have your your main long ridge that runs east and west, separating the bigger ridge to the north and the bigger ridge to the south. And there's a saddle right there that basically, if you were going to go from the the ridge to the south and pop over and go to the ridge to the north, you're going to cross right through that saddle. And not only that, there's a thermal hub on both sides of that saddle. So you come up through a thermal hub and drop back down into another thermal hub. In a completely different ridge system, and it's just surrounded by good bedding all around it. And then there's also, it's kind of hard to explain, but another thermal hub off the back side of the uh, of the northern hub. So there's three thermal hubs that kind of wrap around, and all are connected to each other through saddles.
0: When I hear this spot, you know what comes to mind? What? Hellacious <laughs> winds in wind turns. <laughs> it sounds like a spot a big buck's gonna hang out in. It, but dude, you're gonna get busted left and right. Because you're going to have swirling winds. Well, now there's through. one thing going for you here. Oh, what you got? What you get?
1: The way that they cut this, that middle thermal hub, the main one that's going to be good, that both of those saddles feed right into, is completely cut straight down to the creek. There's no SMZ whatsoever. And so you're going to get a bunch of sunlight right there. And it's at a higher elevation. I think at a high enough elevation that I don't think the wind actually is going to be that much of a problem. Mm. Especially on a sunny day. So I was thinking go in there and check it out and see what it looks like on the ground and it's probably be like a ground gun spot for the rut where you get uh get to where you can just see into that middle hub and catch bucks that are just like switching because it it's the only spot through there where they can just bam like pop over to this these other ridge systems i mean very quickly because if if they didn't go through there then they're either going to have to go up I don't know how, how many feet, but significantly higher in elevation to go up and over this this ridge, or they're going to have to wrap around the bottom. And, again, this is like a very long, skinny ridge, so if they
2: go wrap around the bottom, that's a, at least a half mile. So I, was, I spent several hours, Jacob knows this, last night <clears throat> pouring over the Penn State. GPS studies. Oh, dude, you got we got to talk about this. I forgot we were talking about this. Now (laughs) now I'm excited.
0: (laughs) hold on. Let me say this before we get into this. The cool thing about this format for the podcast, it's like the listeners get two separate episodes. It's awesome. It's like you get the first interview and you get this, which some of us will have to be about the interview, but a lot of it's like other stuff. And this is very good stuff. Okay, keep going, Mike. (laughs) I
2: I was very surprised at some of the stuff that I picked out. You know, from these different videos. One was this deer. Okay. When you think of when you think of a buck going from bedding area to bedding area, you think of them traveling, like we talked about in the podcast, and which is how I've usually hunted also and thought in my mind. Okay, you have a bedding area on this end of the ridge, a bedding area closer up to like maybe ahead of a draw somewhere at the other end of the ridge, and they're traveling the side hill and basically trying to cut all of these secondary points where deer could possibly be bedded. Mm-hmm. This one deer, deer in the rut, he went two point seven miles and crossed over four ridges, <laughs> four ridges up and down, wow, in in one one day, four ridges, I, that that totally through all of my conventional thinking, you know, like, (laughs) you know, me thinking, okay, this is what the deer is going to do because he's going to take the path of least resistance.
0: Oh, so You're saying instead of, like, them, like, side-hilling along these longer ridges, they're just going up over the top cutting trails and just covering even more ground than what you previously thought.
2: Yeah, I wouldn't think that, I mean, me as a hunter going in, you know, I'd get tired after one or two ridges, and this joker crossed over four ridge systems looking for these does, covered 2.7 miles exactly like and and i think if i'm not mistaken i could be wrong i could be getting two different ones mixed up but i'm going to say it was all within six hours yeah
1: yeah well that's that's what i like about this spot that's what i was specifically looking for is a spot where he will go like straight up and over that ridge so like this this long skinny ridge i'm not expecting him to go up and down it i'm expecting him to literally just bam, like go straight up and over that joker. And it also – And stay in the low spots.
0: It makes sense about this too if you think about it in different areas. If the does are traveling more side ridge and they're they're side hill and they're going from like kind of feeding area to bedding area, they're kind of side hill. It would make more sense for that buck to cut those trails at a 90-degree angle and just go up and over because he can cross way more trails and descent-check those trails as he's going through than having to walk the whole ridge down – and kind of scent check where the deer is actually standing at versus being able to just cut the trails and instantly be able to smell every single trail he's going across.
1: I I, I think that that's how they find – I think that's really how they find the does is stuff like that, using like that ground scent. Because I I, I still – I know I say this all the time, but I really don't think that they wind them like people think they do. Because everyone talks about they're cruising downwind of the bedding area. Well, you think about how many times – we talked about it last week. When you're sitting on the ground and you're sitting in thick cover and you're dropping milkweed, especially in the evenings – and where, what does it do? It falls straight to the ground and doesn't go anywhere. I'm like, man, there's no way they can wind them. Like, their their wind just isn't pushing out like that, I don't think. I mean, I'm, they can, obviously, if the conditions are right. But I think they're picking up a lot more does doing stuff like that right there. Or
0: they're cutting trails. And another thing, they're kind of coming that downward side, that leeward side of the, um, the cover. You know, with a good wind, yeah, he might be, you know, kind of – Kind of like what tracking dogs that like cast a dog out to like kind of, you know, scent checking this uh wind, you know, yeah, of course, so yeah, just whatever's in there. But also all those trails that are going in and out of that cover, he's covering every single one of those as he's walking down the edge of that cover. Exactly. And just like kind of get his nose down just kind of checking it. Mm-hmm. And, yeah. Yeah. Again, you know.
2: So another thing that I, I looked at on there was, what do you think I want to no, say? No, no, this, you, you act like I got something yeah, that I'm about there's, to say and I don't know what you want me to say. The, the, <laughs> it's
0: the one about the buck bedding. And, and how the buck was using it, like, not getting into, like, these third Okay, yeah,
2: yeah. That's what I'm about to touch okay. on. All right, so.
0: <clears throat> I'm totally ruining this conversation.
2: So, you know, what I've seen in the past, um is that the bucks are, are bedding up high, and then they're dropping down low. But I think this is only in certain areas, because um, I watched two different videos, and one of the buck's, if the valley was a lot wider, if there was a lot more flat area, the deer were dropping off the top and going to the bottom. Now, one thing I can't see from the topographical map is what does the cover look like? You know, is, is this valley, does it have ag or something like that versus just big timber butt? What I was noticing is uh, in one video, if the valley was a lot bigger, then the deer was dropping off the top and going into the valley and going back up to the top to bed. The ones that were in the more steeper terrain, like where you have real steep, you know, more steep ravines and stuff like that. Skinnier drainages. Skinnier drainages. They were going up top versus dropping down. Wait.
0: When they get from bed, they didn't go down from bed. They went up from bed. They
2: went up from bed. Yeah. So it got me thinking. Another thing I saw on there was, do you want to go into what you thought? No. yeah, Yeah.
0: We'll discuss it. Absolutely. Go ahead. Well, I mean, so, well, the first off, like you said, because you're talking about the Penn State studies. Yeah. Because you keep talking about the videos. but right, right. Penn, The Penn State studies of where they're, t- like, tracking deer movement. And what, what year did those come out? Like, the major? Uh, this
2: one was in 2013, 2014. Yeah. yeah. Now, they, I think they've, they've done them basically every year, but, you know, there's... Only select videos, I guess they put out on YouTube yeah, and so it's, it's
1: tracking the bucks' movement and it's kind of like a time right. lapse of where it goes. Yeah.
0: And again, all bucks are different. Like they all have, again, people talk about like personalities and stuff. They're all a little bit different, but you can kind of get an idea of just how some bucks use terrain and habitat compared to others. But like what Mike was saying is, in some of these cases, like in specific deer, uh, you know, a buck would want to drop down in elevation from his bed, and it was in an area that the valley was much wider. That being said, there's no, I don't know, was there any scale on there to see, like, again, how wide that valley yeah. was? Yeah, there was. I mean, what, what was, could you tell, kind of a rough estimate of how wide that drainage was? Oh, like, the flat
2: spot? The flat spot was significantly bigger. Like um, 200 yards? No, like, mile. yeah, like, mile probably wide. Okay. So, Mm. it was like right on the fringe of the mountain system. So, they were up there dropping down to the valley. Now, there were certain situations, um, there were a couple of different videos with different setups. So, they each varied just a little bit. But in that particular one that I'm, you know, thinking about, it was a a lot bigger valley. Um, And then the one that was in the woods was very, very tight. Um, More like stuff like we're seeing like around here, you know, where it drops down and it's you just have the creek and maybe a few it's, feet on each side, and then it's back up to the yeah, other side. Yes, like they're,
0: they're walking down, their their nose is hitting the ground because it's so steep, <laughs> and they're going back up the other side. Yeah. It's, right. it's yep. that kind of stuff. Right. And what I thought about, because, Mike, you were telling me, like in that real steep country, how the bucks were literally – they'd be bedding on like some secondary point, and they're just going straight up from there. They're going right. to the top of the ridge. It's two different things. Most likely, again, depending on the food sources, and this is my thought, food sources possibly up top, oaks, whatever else is up there, and also maybe agriculture, who knows, because it's, it's topographical maps. You can't really tell. But also with the falling thermals, if he's going up in predation and also <clears throat> also um, hunters or everything, or kind of sticking to the top where you know maybe a lot of that nighttime sign is, he can kind of go up and probably catch some of those falling thermals. Yeah. If he's slipping up a drain or something like that, smell everything up above him before he ever comes up to the top. And then also he probably has a visual advantage of when he comes up over that crest, he probably spends a lot of time out there, depending on – I don't know if it showed you how long they were standing, like how, how quick those pins, like if it was every 15 minutes they were dropping a pin with the collar. But, like, when he came up over the top, how much time he stood there before he kind of continued going onto that flat of that ridge. Yeah. No, that's, so. that's a good point. Uh,
2: here's another thing. Uh, your conventional wisdom would say always the military crest or, or somewhere along that line. Uh, in a lot of the situations, they were bedding right up on top um, near, like, a – Say like in your instance earlier, where you were talking about a whole bunch of uh, fingers branch out, like on the, on the end of a ridge. Yep. You know, they were bedding up right up there in the center, in a skinnier yep. spot. Oh, okay. I,
0: but we need better explain that. What do you mean? So, so like you get like a this so little you, secondary ridge point.
2: So let's say you have like 180 degrees where you've got like five different uh, points that drop off. Mm-hmm. All right, from this main ridge system. So secondary points. And basically where they neck up and kind of all get real tight to okay. the ridge uh-huh. uh, where it's, like, skinnier, uh-huh. that so, so they were setting up there. So it's almost like they're,
0: they're almost like they're bedding, like, right where it joins the main ridge point.
2: Yeah. It, it, right up there, you know, is, is a, a bigger flat spot. But, like, all of the draws led up to that general area, and it kind of necked down a little bit tighter. Uh-huh. Um, right in that area is where some of them were bedding at. Mm-hmm. Um, I, I was actually surprised at how many deer were bedding in the bottom too. Like in the bottom of like one of those drainages near the bottom of those drainages. Yeah.
0: Hm. Well, Paul kind of talked about that. Yeah. Yeah. So, I was just about to bring that so, up. Well, here, Andrew, yep. let you run with it. Cause we're, I know this does me mean Mike talking, but. Well, because the,
1: that's exactly what he was talking about. That they'll bed low to catch those falling thermals and then they'll go back up high when they get up in the evening. That's exactly. Especially what on a north
0: facing slope too.
1: Yes. Yes, exactly. Mm, and it's getting juicy. well, and, and you know, we've we've been talking about this for a couple of weeks now, and the whole theory that the Bucks play more off the thermals than they do the wind. And I feel like that makes a lot more sense with a lot of this betting because, again, like just when I, when I pay attention to like wind based betting, it just the more I pay attention to it, the less it makes sense. Yeah. And so the the thermal thing makes a lot more sense though, because that is something that's very consistent most of the time. Uh, and that they could they could really make a playoff of.
2: Cover too is gonna be really a really big key to this that we don't know. A really big factor that's unknown. Um, mm-hmm. if, if there's not cover in certain spots, then of course you know the if the best cover is at a certain elevation, then of course they're gonna move up or down accordingly. Um, one of those locations I didn't know was a cutover until they actually posted a picture. Hey, this is where this deer, um ended up dying at he was located right here when he got shot because they found the collar somebody removed the collar but that deer was actually in a um in like a a cutover but it was you know the thickest cover right there it was Mm -hmm. big trees down a little bit further and that's the reason why he wasn't down there but it was you know this four foot tall you know thicket straight across the whole hillside right there so yep um another thing i found was very interesting was uh we were talking about how the deer split up so it went through like august september october november in in these bucks that were tacked and we had a buck you know basically stay in the exact same area like i'm talking about like most of his bedding was probably within 10 or 15 acres and then it branched out to maybe like around 50 or something like that like of course, he would go in bed a little bit further away sometimes, but like his main little core. Yeah, like, another video like you're talking from, about from summer, even up until like October and November when he started really, you know, the rut kicked in. He Doing was, the walkabouts, right? It was all located right there, so he didn't move. You know, he didn't shift his his yep. little core from summer to fall, which. I was like, holy cow! My question would be like, what's the
0: habitat there? What's the vegetation like?
2: Yeah, that's <clears throat> the unknown. That, I don't know. Yeah, that's the unknown. I think
1: I think it's like big woods for the most part. I'm pretty sure because I've I've heard other people talk about it, and I feel like
2: it's like the PA I mean, it's, like big woods. Yeah, situation. as mountain as mountainous as it looks, you know, I think if there was anything done, it was like some kind of timber management, but like yeah. nothing like you know planted fields on top or anything like that. Mm-hmm. <clears throat> yeah. That's
0: interesting. Well, I mean, we talked about that too around here. Just there, there's no at least we're we're re-hunt majority of the time. Is there? There's no massive destination food source other than like some like a white oak flat, you know, some red oak stuff like that. It's not like there's a, a massive agriculture field, you know, half a mile down the road that these deer are traveling to. So it's like you know the habitat, the browse. We don't have harsh winters. The cover type deer don't have to like transition and and shift. Very much at all. They might ship like their their core, which, oh, we haven't told Andrew about that. Something about the core. out oh man, I'll just derail, I'll derail the conversation. Mike, you you sent me something to listen to and had to deal with a. Oh yeah, yeah. yeah. We'll want we'll to hold that off. I want to okay. bring that up to Andrew because right. I think it's gonna be a fantastic episode, future yeah. episode. Can't talk about it the podcast. <clears throat> but anyways, but how the core is shaped and everything. Um, and that how they might just shift a little bit that core, maybe a little bit to the north, a little bit to the south, but they're still kind of in that area where they still kind of, you know, they're still covering that same ground, but they might just shift like a, just a betting spot, you know, a couple hundred yards or something like that. But for hunters, if your camera is in one spot and you've been getting summer pictures all summer long and then you don't get any summer pictures, you're like, well, he left. Well, he might just be on the other side of the ridge. Like, he might just be on that same ridge point. He's on mm-hmm. the other side of the ridge point.
2: Yeah. And that's how this was set up. Like, say you have a head of a draw, like earlier you were talking about a little bit of a bowl. Yep. He was on, like, say, one side of that bowl initially. Yeah. And all his transition was was to the other side of the bowl <laughs> yeah. for, like, the fall. Like, I mm-hmm. mean, that's all it was. Of course, you know, like, most of his pins were over here on this one side of the bowl for majority of, like, August and stuff like that. Mm-hmm. Then it shifted over, like, September, October over here to this other side of the bowl. Of course, he had his other betting spots, but, like, that was, like, his core was just around that one little bowl. Like, I mean, it just when I say small, I'm, I'm talking, you know, yeah pretty, pretty daggum small.
0: This podcast is supported by Hunting Exchange. In this day and age, we all know it is a struggle to sell hunting equipment on large social media platforms, and that's where Hunting Exchange steps in. Hunting Exchange is an app for iOS and Android built by Sears Hunters that gives you a one-stop shop to buy and sell your hunting gear. Whether you're looking to sell your bow, broadheads, technical apparel, stands or saddles, or anything in between, this secure platform allows you to buy and sell gear with confidence. As a buyer, each dollar you spend is insured by PayPal, and as a seller, there are no hidden charges like other platforms, and listing items is also free. Gone are the days of having listings removed from Facebook and worrying about being banned and removed from groups for wanting to sell something as simple as your bow or knives. So head on over to the App Store or Google Play and experience a new hassle free way to buy and sell hunting gear by downloading the Hunting Exchange app today. That's pretty cool. Yeah.
1: That's really cool, man. Yeah. It makes you wonder like how many uh how many bucks are actually like that. And it's like if you could find one that's like that, but he's in a spot that's really hard to get to, you find just like this big old, like kind of dumb buck. Yeah.
0: <laughs> oh sp- well. It-
1: yeah you know what that's how Zach's deer was i bet i'm willing to bet the the place that he got killed the place that that i saw him Mm -hmm. the place the places around him more importantly where he did not get killed like that joker stayed right in there i guarantee it Mm -hmm. all right so it's like the homebody bucks or some of the bucks that just they just don't get killed that's why he's 165 inches
2: yeah so Uh, here's a percent of bucks moving okay and this goes through... This is coming from the study, right?
0: Yeah. Just so people are asking, like, where are come from, from? Yeah.
2: And, and we can give them links. Um, All it is is deer.psu.edu. And it's the Deer Forest blog or something like that. Mm-hmm. Anyways. Um, My, Mike's got to pull his readers out so he can read this. Yeah. So uh, <laughs> Really aging himself. So, here's one of the graphs that they did. And it goes from 6.40 in the morning uh, to 5.20, basically. So all of the daytime period. So at six forty in the morning. Well
0: what time of the year? This is important also. Does it have dates?
2: This was this was during their rut. Okay. All right. Um so the buck movement was let's see here at six forty there was like five percent. Okay. Five percent out of a hundred deer were on their feet. And it steadily grows goes up um, to right above forty percent by nine forty is what it looks like on here, mm-hmm. and then it kind of dips down, up and down, until about eleven thirty in the middle of the day. At eleven thirty in the middle of the day, it goes from forty percent all the way up to ninety percent. Dang! Hey, that, what's the first thing that pops
1: in your head when he says that? My mine is Adrian Farley and guys like that who are like,
2: I'll sleep in and I'll hunt middle I'll hunt of the day 10 to two always. Yep. yep. So then it drops. Back down, it goes from 90%, and looks like by about 1 p.m. it drops back down to about 45%, and then it tells wow. off, then it tells off until about I don't know, I'd say about 3 in the afternoon. At 3 in the afternoon, it's about 35% of bucks moving, and then it jumps pretty quickly uh, all the way back up to almost 80% by about. Four thirty 30 or so mm-hmm.
0: Mm-hmm. well it's also like michael perry you know michael perry all these guys that are like successful hunters down the rut it's just like you should never not be on stand if it's legal hours to be hunting you should be on stand
2: right because what you know i i went to mr perry's house mm-hmm. and i was like hey you know when are you you know getting all the when are you when are when are you killing all these big bucks is like middle of the day or something like that you know According to the moon and stuff like that, we went through all of his kills almost I mean there were tons of them. A majority of his kills were between like eight and nine in the morning. Mm-hmm. so it makes you think like so I wonder if there's like a certain thing that these deer are basically doing or looking for at these certain time frames. Mm. you know, like what's going on for for these because if you're ever out hunting, you know you hear the first couple of shots. First thing in the morning, to me, that's like your big bucks getting back to their bedding area right there. Yeah. So, like, if you think about the time of these shots, it's like, okay, that's your big bucks right there that are back to the bedding area, and those hunters are in their bedding area. Then you have this lull till about 8 o'clock, and then you hear a bunch of shots. And I think the bunch of shots is all of your younger bucks chasing your does out in stupid places. And then your middle of the day, is back to your big bucks cruising, and when you hear those shots, you're like, okay, that's a big buck. At least that's what I'm always thinking. Yeah, that so. makes perfect sense to me.
0: Yeah, right. you're talking just so people understand. He's talking kind of these public land hunts, buck only, no, no does, yeah. No yeah, yeah, no does, and, and most of antler port restrictions as well. Um, yeah, it's 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 interesting. Again, I, it. I think the whole deer movement thing. I mean, it's. And, We've, everybody's talked about it, you know, midday is important during the rut. Absolutely is important. So, the thing is, like, mentally preparing yourself to not only have the time to spend during the rut, you know, using a little bit of vacation time, because it's two days. You can hunt two days and not see any rut activity. like, oh, man, I missed the rut this year. There was no rut. Yeah. But, what what are you trying to show me, son? Well,
2: I mean, Mm -hmm. just to your point, I mean, if I told you that you could have a 20% chance of seeing the buck if you hunted until about you know, 8 or 9 in the morning, when a lot of people do, or you had a 90% chance of seeing a buck between 11 and 1. When are you hunting? When are you going to hunt?
0: I'm 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 packing a lunch, bro, because I'm going to be hunting all day, first off. I mean, if I can, but, yeah, absolutely. It's kind
1: of about that mindset change. And that's another thing about what PK said. um, When it comes to looking for, like, funnels in an area, Mm -hmm. uh, an area that, like, lacks a lot of funnels, When he was explaining that, I was thinking about it, and I'm like, I've looked at so many areas where, like, I can't find funnels. Like, I'm like, oh, there's no saddles, there's no benches, and that's the kind of spot that, like, immediately turns me off. And I'm like, okay, let me look at something else, but that's the spot he keys in on, and I was like, it just made me think about it. So, that's another graph
2: right there, and that shows basically, um, what was it? Distance traveled. Yeah, distance traveled and. Was it the time of day or was it just the time of the month? It's the time of day. So this is pretty interesting. It's, it's well, a,
0: what we can do is maybe uh, post, see if we can post these uh, images up a yeah. later on the week. So if you're listening to the podcast, hopefully we can post this up on Facebook and Instagram for you guys to check out. And yeah, I mean, yeah.
1: To, to sum this up, it's it's distance moved in meters and it goes from like basically midnight to midnight. Uh, and there's a a big spike where they're moving, it says, between six and 700 meters between 2 a.m. to 5 a.m. And then it goes down and down and down and down, and it hits a low point between 8 a.m. and 11 a.m. of about 200 meters traveled total. And then it, it shoots right back up to 700 from 11 a.m. to 2 p.m.
0: Now, and again, time frame for this as well? Uh, oh, you don't have to show me.
1: Well, uh, early November, yeah, early November and mid-November, and they're they're pretty much identical. The distances moved in early November are longer than the distances moved in mid-November, mm-hmm. which is their rut.
2: So if your rut is January, you know, re- remove November and put January there.
0: Yeah, absolutely. And That's the
2: sad. last one I just wanted to mention real quick mm-hmm. was uh, adult does and fawns, and that was the breeding dates. Basically, the uh, fawns came approximately two weeks every single year uh after the does were bred so instead of waiting a full month it was the does are being bred two weeks after mm-hmm. so but so, so and then, again. and then you know the big does the you know the adult does would probably come in 28 days later so that's why you get that real spottiness you know if a if a if a doe group maybe doesn't have as many fawns or maybe doesn't have any fawns at all in that certain section then you're probably not going to see that movement, you know, two weeks, two weeks later. In.
1: Mm-hmm. Interesting.
2: Mm-hmm. So w- what we need to do is we all need to pour over it together and see what we you know, we can get out oh, of it because yeah. there's a lot of information there. Yeah, yeah,
0: that's the cool thing. It's like there's so much uh, – yeah, we're going to – hold off. Hold off, Mike. Listen, it's, it's <laughs> a, super juicy. We can't let the listeners know about it. We can, oh, uh, we'll let Andrew know brutal. about it. No, they're going to know about it in the future. we got to plan it, but yeah. it, it is – be one of the best episodes I think we've ever will ever do. If if we can do it the way I'm thinking about it, I haven't yeah, talked to Mike about it.
2: I've already you already know because I've already tried talking both of y'all into it. If that's but a heads up,
0: th- yeah. But this, this this there's there's a lot there's there. a lot I, to I, unpack. I, I'm telling you, it's extremely juicy topic that I'm extremely excited to. Hopefully, I think I, think I might know if what it is. if if the conversation can be had. The the Mike will have to discuss about kind of the thought process of how I think to be able to kind of do that conversation. It will with be, a certain person. Uh, yeah. It'll okay. be it'll be unbelievable. It yeah. will be unbelievable. Gotcha, gotcha, gotcha. I think I know what you're talking about. Yeah. Mm, mm. You should. I've been the last hound, week, counting you off for uh, like the uh, last uh, two episodes. Hold on, hold on. We'll back it up a little bit we'll Yeah, Alright, let's get off this. <laughs> <laughs> Anyways, just, just put that little, even a little tidbit out there for the listeners. Like, put hey, a in make it. sure you're subscribed, man, because there's gonna be a lot more good stuff coming out. All right. Mm-hmm. Um so okay. So Andrew, I can I can reach that up to you. All right, so a couple Probably three or four weeks ago, Andrew reamed me over the coals. It was
1: brutal. I've re really listened to it. I was like, man, over the coals. It was bad. For like, he was like, Jacob, what are you going to do this year? How are you going to kill a buck? What are you going to do, man? And I'm
0: like, what What are you trying to do? And he's like, well, what are you going to focus on? I'm like, well, I'm going to hunt, you know, my different states and stuff. He's like, you're not going to focus on one thing and, you know, get good at it and learn it. And you're just going to keep bouncing around and not kill anything? I'm like, what are you talking about? And then the next thing is, oh, man, I was looking at a new property today, uh, man. I drove yeah. down there. I'm like, you're doing exactly <laughs> what I said I was doing. You bringing me over the coals for it. So like, I gotta do it on the podcast man. <laughs> uh, yeah you. Yeah,
2: to Let people know. Andrew, oh, this is terrible, dude. Same thing I said I've I was gonna try to do the past few years. Every single year it never happens. <laughs> yeah. I'm just gonna try to focus on one little area and learn it. No, nope, never happens.
0: Mm-hmm. No. I'll be honest, you know, it there's there's Mike, you and me talked about this a little bit. I talked to the P, uh, PK about this, talked to Doug about this as well. It's like there is an excitement level. In being on a new property. Yeah. Learning something sure. new. It's like... And I, t- I told, I told uh, Doug about Michael, about, like, you know, Michael... The second Michael gets to, like, knowing something, he kind of gets a feel for it. He's like, all right. I kill, on to the next thing. Kill, kill a buck. Let's go. Next property. Yep. Yep. this is, like, once, like, the...
1: It seems like the newness wears off.
0: Yeah, it kind of wears off instead of like, uh, and I'm not saying this is initially how I am, but I know this is kind of like, I think how Mike is a little bit. Once that newness kind of wears off and you kind of get a feel for it, you're like, okay, I've got this kind of down pat. Let's go try something different. And let's go try this on different, which is cool because it gives you a lot of experience on a bunch of different kind of properties and stuff like that. But you have a lot of people, you know, we've had guests on here that focus on one specific property. Like the back of their hand, and they kill great deer every single year. Mm -hmm. But it's like you put them on different properties that maybe they don't have experience with, you know, they probably still do okay, but it's like different versus when you, you know, kind of go out there and you're trying a bunch of different habitat types, a bunch of different properties. And again, that's not the goal for everybody. Some people just want to have that local piece or that that family farm that leads to club that they just learn, like the back of the hand, they know exactly when to hunt, how to hunt, and they're just extremely efficient, yeah, more efficient hunter. But dude, there's something exciting about it. you get on a new property you're not used to and you're like, "Oh man, it's like, like
1: dude, this past weekend when I was scouting, oh we week- we'll, we'll talk about that. I'll tell you what. I'll tell you <clears> what, <throat> what what led me to this this property was um I was thinking I was thinking through like what the fall is going to be like uh, and kind of what we got planned and I thought back to about Christmas to the end of season last year. We were, like, kind of floating around. Um, we had that, that one area, and we got a bunch of bucks on camera down there, and you saw those bucks and everything. But I'm, like, I'm really ill-prepared for, like, that January time frame. And I'm, like, if I want to, like, tag out uh, on, like, good bucks, I feel like I'm going to have to, like, chase that. And so I just – I looked at another property, uh, and I'm, like, well, once once the rut goes out on, on my main how, place – How much
0: later – Would you expect that? Just like time frame wise, not like, not like specific months or anything, but like how much, how much later do you think it would be down there? At least a month. Yeah. At least. Uh, I think
1: that's right. Cause I, yeah, I think I've heard. So with like my old spots and I got to think about it more and more, the last three bucks I've shot in Alabama, I killed out of the same saddle, killed two of them out of the same tree. Uh, but it's same, like, big landscape man, it's saddle. Like, it's, it's
0: like a PK spot, man.
1: He thought yeah, cashing in, baby. It's get a, it. A, well, it's yeah, hot. That, that's what I'm saying, though, because I was looking. I was pouring over the maps there, and I've looked over this map. I've looked over this place for literally years, like years. And so it's like there's not much to look at anymore. I'm like, some of these spots, like, where I killed those bucks, I was, I was thinking about going in there and scouting and putting a camera out. I'm like, I don't. I don't really need to. I, still, I know some
0: spots that you've overlooked. That I know you've never hunted before. That uh, I think that I think are juicy now this year. But anyway,s I'll, I'll okay. leave that. I'll let that. I'll let that be.
1: You <laughs> let that marinate. I, I do have one place I'm I'm going in on because I think it'll be a good spot, and I, I haven't hunted it. I did hunt it at one time. Haven't hunted it in years, and now I feel like I I know enough where I can go in there and be effective. But uh, other than that, I'm really looking for early season spots to be honest with you, because I, I got the rut spots for for that property. I've got the rut spots down, you know. I think
2: the one spot that y'all talked about, all fair, is going to be the ticket.
0: Mm
1: -hmm.
2: Wait, which spot?
0: Yeah, which?
1: Oh,
2: oh, yeah.
1: I agree. Yeah. (laughs) (laughs) I agree. I'm glad it's not an audio show. I'm glad
0: it's not a visual (laughs) visual show right now. We can can do hand gestures and stuff. Yeah, no, that place. So, that place is really cool because, like, you get the diversity – and it's just like a different habitat type. And to be honest, oh, I want to say something, but I don't want to say because
1: say it, and if it's too bad, I'll i do something to it. It's He'll it's forget.
0: it's it's a property that, especially early season, you could literally from just the images you sent me in the videos you sent me from like boots on the ground, you could hunt it like western like mule deer.
2: No, that's not the place I was talking about.
0: Well, this is one place I'm talking about.
2: I, early I, season was way. Oh, where yeah. you told PK about?
0: Okay, I'm right. I'm I, I, I I know I know exactly what you're saying, but I'm I'm saying the mule deer spot. Yeah, uh, that's what we'll call that property.
1: I think all I could think about. PK said one thing about you said something you related. Oh, what you never was said. Co-
0: what was the quote you were talking about? There's a that's quote, what I've been
1: holding the whole time. Oh, okay, he's, uh, he's holding cars t- yeah. tight. Tight. You, to you want me to drop it? Right no, now? no, no, let's, let's talk it about Yeah, drop it in a well, second. You said something. You related something PK said to uh, something that Glenn Solomon said about there could be a two mile long access path and people will walk 2 miles to the end of that thing and then go like 150 more yards and that's where they set up or they, they never go around that and i've got that the map i made of that place and i got the road layer in there i'm dude i'm about to go throw a 200 yard buffer on that bad boy and see see where everything lays cuz i got all those trails mapped out now i'll mm-hmm. probably add a few more that that aren't marked in and i'll put a 200 yard buffer on it and just see what whoa, whoa, whoa. which which property now the one that me and you were the new one. Okay, okay, okay. At.
0: Yeah, yeah. I I agree. Actually, that one to be honest, I would I wouldn't even put a two hundred yard buffer. I, I almost think like you could put like a one
1: hundred fifty one twenty five. You could put you could put a
0: seventy five yard buffer. I think on somebody. I, I like, really
1: do think that you're right about that
0: because there are some spots like Mike had a spot that he pinned that was like close to like an intersection, and it like mm-hmm. it makes sense. Can you talk about just the the idea of that premise of like that? Ah, oh, yeah. Just yeah, the, re- it, the reason of why that spot would be interesting, like to yeah. check out.
2: Well, me personally, I like some of the more overlooked stuff. Mm-hmm. Um, just because I don't know, nobody, nobody's going to think to go there. Well, like, especially like when you come to like a Y on the road. Yeah, there's an intersection. You can go left or you can go right. When you pull up to that Y, all your brain is thinking about is which way am I supposed to be going, left or right? And right there, right behind that Y. Is like a little a, sanctuary, a little betting point, blowdowns Yeah. Blow downs in yeah. There. Well, and I just nobody. No,
0: it's it's the psychology of the person. Because listen, yeah. Mike, when you said that, it makes perfect sense. When you come to an intersection, your mind is instantly thinking. Which way am I going? Because you have a destination in mind. Your defini- your destination is never like, oh I'm gonna sit here, right here, like either between the roads or right here off the intersection. Nobody with not many people would think that. Most yeah. people are like, I'm going down one of these two roads and maybe they go down three hundred yards and they pull over, but they're not pulling over at the intersection. Yeah. That is I get when you said that and also the spot makes a lot of sense too when you look at it. But yeah. like when you said that I'm like that well, is it, perfect. It's just
2: like the spot in Georgia when we set up there. Like the spot when you when you look at it. You're, you're thinking there ain't no way there ain't no way these deer are going to come through this one little section you know yep and what happened there they go. You, you found the bucks and they came through this one little section like just like they were supposed it, to yeah i and couldn't I, believe it and when i went in there they came through the same little section everybody's looking at me from the road like i, I actually had to pull pull my marker and where i put my tree at and had to place it just in this one spot just to meet the requirements from being away from the roads. Cause we, mm-hmm. we talked with the, uh, with the, the ranger yeah. down there, the game warden. <laughs> yep. And he was like, yeah, just make sure you're uh, this distance away. And I was like, oh, I that, had to pull it up. Dude, that put
0: pl- yes, that was wild man, that I wish I already
1: God, man, I want to go out there so bad. I forgot again. all
0: about – that was wild. Yeah, because you're like, dude, there's bucks right here. I'm like, really? Everybody's driving right past us. That was
1: yeah. a. I man, I remember talk sitting of, out there. You remember when I filmed in that field? I had like 25 deer come out.
0: Okay, well, hold on. Let, listen, talk – without going into super details – what made that spot special cuz that is interesting it goes it Overlooked. goes i know but it goes hand in hand with the whole like concept of like the intersection and stuff just because it's something yeah. people are they're on a w- mission they're going somewhere and they w- don't think of stopping right there well
2: do you want me to really i mean say a lot about it i mean cuz there's one thing that's really going to deter people if you know what I'm talking about with it being the proximity of the just say there's so many WMAs in Georgia, and there's yeah. some
1: that are really similar to this. Because I don't
2: mind, y'all are the one y'all y'all care a little bit more than me. But um, so it. there's a ranger station, mm-hmm. and this is only like hundreds of yards away from you know yeah the ranger station.
1: If you had a good enough arm, you could maybe throw a rock and hit the <laughs> hit the thing.
2: Well, I, I wouldn't say it was that close, but it's yeah, pretty daggum I'm, close. Yeah, there was
1: one spot I hunted that was that close. <laughs> Maybe. Legal distance. Yeah.
0: Saying, move your phone real quick. Yeah. There you go. Um. But no, but that area, I mean, go. I mean, it's just right next to the inter- I mean, it's right. Everybody drives past it. Yeah. It's like the entrance of the, it's the entrance of the main. Well, area. it's
2: like you, you have a, <clears throat> excuse me, you have a field like right there as soon as you go in. And not it's, planted for deer it's, either. It's right next to the ranger station. And it would just like the doe. Mm-hmm. Just like the doe's when we went in and that you almost, whether you, I think you did shoot at, didn't you? Mm hmm. Yeah, we went on a bow hunt at another WMA and went to a field right off the backside of the ranger station. And it's just, I mean, deer every single time. It's just those spots. Like a lot of people, I don't know if in their head they don't want to be that close, or maybe they don't think about being that close. But Yeah, I I
0: I was looking at equipment from where I was sitting. Yeah. Like, and do, and yeah. you were running by me. And I was like, uh, stop, please. Yeah, you could dude. hear it.
2: You, you'd be able to hear a conversation going on, just people yeah. talking regular. Oh, my gosh, for sure. Yeah, that, man, that was one of well, the coolest spots. And
0: also, so also with their, so the, the place they were talking about in Georgia was interesting. Because I remember when I, I forgot all about that, dude, because. I had come, you know, y'all had hunted quite a bit, and I came out there and hunted with you, Andrew. And you're like, oh, yeah, dude, this is an area that we had, like, all the deer, like, all the bucks come out of this. I'm like, right here. I'm like, dude, like, literally, people are, like, parking their cars here and, like, yeah. having lunch. And, yep. Yeah, it's a, it's actually, a
2: campsite. Well, I actually slept there multiple nights. It's, yeah, it's a like, campsite. Like, I actually was sleeping there one night, and I had a deer blow at me because it smelt me in the back of the truck, sleeping.
1: <laughs> it's pretty wild, yeah. dude. Yeah, man. And, and that's, and that's why it's a psychological thing. As soon as you pull into that place, you got, Ranger Station, Campsite, Dove Field. Yeah. And and the people just blow right past it. Right. You know? I mean, and, and we hunted it, and like you said, we you saw know, people were like waving at you in, in, in the tree.
2: And <laughs> probably, what, two hunts between the two of us? How many deer do you think we saw? I don't, I don't even want to guess, man. A bunch. I would say probably, for me personally, I probably saw 20 deer in two hunts. Yeah. Easily. Easily. Because they just
1: pile into that field because... I remember when I first started hunting that place and it was just me hunting it, I would be coming out because I was going way back on oh, the property. Yeah. I'd be coming out after dark and I saw some big bucks cross the road right in front of me to go to that dove field. And I'm like, What? And so I started keying in on it, keying in I on it. I remember when he called right. me the
0: first time I'd be like, dude, I just drove back. It's like, because it was like opening week. There's like yeah. three big bucks. And you're like, dude, there's like three big books right here in front of me. I'm like yeah. I'm like in the headlights. And I'm like, what? He's like, dude, they're right here next to Access. He's like, I'm going to check this out. And then next thing I know, you're sending me a so like, Dude, I went in here, man. It looks awesome. dude. It, yeah. it's, it's like it's so overlooked. So
1: over- it's ridiculous. It's the most like textbook but, but see, overlooked. But, see, but I've if, never found anything like that again. Absolutely.
0: But I was going to say, well, I found something like that in Missouri not to that extreme, but it'll kind. Of, I mean, I found some really, I found something good in Missouri when I skated Missouri in 2018 on, on a little parcel. Um But the thing about that is, that would be great during its bow season. It's an early season spot. Mm-hmm. Come, come firearms, that ain't the case, my man. I, I, don't, <laughs> I don't think so. Just because the, especially with some cooler weather, leaves falling off, everything else, um, that's not going to be the spot. But early bow season, it's like early season when the pressure's not that high. There's so many opportunities to be able to kill like good deer in areas that later on in the season you will never find them there, okay? Yeah, which is pretty cool, especially in some of these areas that we're talking about, and like this, like you can kind of find those little things like you know people always talk about behind the parking lots, um, uh, you know, uh, ranger stations, check stations, all that kind of stuff. It's just interesting things you can kind of key in on and look at.
1: Yeah, kind of what we were talking about with the leaf, with the leaf fall, um, and the pressure like gets put on these deer and that like magnifies them. That Georgia spot was almost the opposite of that, where uh, where as the leaves fell, that spot kind of died off because that cover mm-hmm. that led them up to that field, because they 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 could travel in cover straight up to the edge of the field, right. Pretty much, right? Uh, and when those leaves drop, it just kind of dies off.
2: Yep. So, and another thing, the trees that a lot of these uh, management areas plant, like in the green fields or around these check stations, these trees oaks most yep, of the time. They're they're just money. First thing of the season. Yep.
1: Yeah,
0: that was like you, Andrew. You drove by one early bow season. Like, first opening day, and there was a nice buck standing out there. Opening on day stands. of
1: Alabama last year at noon. There was a nice buck standing right in the green field eating sawtooth oak acorns. So, yep. like, hey, bud. Come on back here. Give me a second. Yep. Yeah, I tried to do the old, like, bump and dump. But, you know, he ran out of the field, and I, like, look at the map, and he, like, ran right down this ridge point, like, onto this bedding point, and I came around in the back side. And then did not see him. <laughs> <laughs> that's how all but, mine have went. I've yep.
2: never bumped and dumped.
1: Yeah, oh. I called up a hen though because I was walking in, yelping like a turkey, trying to be quiet, you know, or trying to like sound natural. And I called up a hen. That was the only action I got that day.
0: Have you called up a bobcat when you're doing that? No, no. I think a bobcat would like see from a distance because yeah. they're so sharp. Like, and they'd be like, "Okay, I'm, that, that's not a turkey."
1: I've I'm only ever seen one up. bobcat from you... the tree stand. Yep. Really? For, for my whole life. Yep. Holy cow. I don't know. Well, oh, my gosh. I've got and, I, and I didn't shoot it because I had a 7 mag, and I was like, I really only want to shoot this thing for the pelt. Now I want to eat one after eating that mountain lion. Sun. Yeah, absolutely. So it was really good. Um, But, yeah, I had the 7 mag, so I didn't shoot it. But it came by me in the dark, and I, I heard it. Well, it was that, that, weird. That
0: would be a problem, too.
1: Well, well no. <laughs> well, it came by me in the dark, God. and I could hear it, and it, it would, like, walk, and it would stop. Are, and you, then, on the, are you on the ground or in the tree? i'm in a tree and then i would hear it again and it would be like over here and i'm like how in the world and then it got to be daylight and i was like that must have been some kind of deer that's like somehow slipped through here and then it came back after daylight and it it came down a little hill and jumped on a log and like walked across the log i was like oh that's why i didn't hear you but it was like right beneath me it was really cool
2: they like walking across those like blowdowns. oh dude um, they're so cool they're so cool they're so
0: slick so i had to hunt on one of these pieces of parkland, when the the first year I ever hunted out there, I had four bobcats coming oh, to my awesome. tree. Oh, it was awesome! <laughs> They're I'm packing like, up on you. No, 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 <laughs> it, no. It was three males fighting for a female. Oh, I
2: bet that got loud,
0: dude! And they were on my tree. <laughs> <laughs> right, so, like, I'm sitting there, dude. I'm like, I think I might have been a freshman in college, maybe, when this happened and uh I was sitting, it was a tree it was uh kind of a a real steep smz that kind of ramped to an older cutover. uh this cut over the pines i think at the time were probably i don't know six years old maybe at the time uh they're way aged out now um actually it's one of the spots i've ran cameras previously in, in the past but anyways got in this spot climbed up this tree and i was kind of hunting some white oaks in the area and uh it was morning hunt early season it was like october probably like 20th and uh I heard some stuff running. I had seen some deer that morning, and I was kind of sitting in a little bowl, and I looked across, and I heard something running. It's like, and I got my bow ready. I was like, oh, man, there's going to be some deer running in here trying to feed under these white oaks. And uh, I looked over, and I'm like, what the heck is that, dude? And I see, like, you know, pretty good-sized bobcats, and it's one running down the hill and there's three on her like nobody and she was she was really she was bigger than them she was she was a really good sized bobcat because you know sometimes you see a bobcat like that thing is so little little but this one like she was she would have been an awesome mount okay but anyways she comes down and there's three bobcats and they are like one of them grabs the other one by the back of the leg dude and it starts they start going at it and it sounds like hellacious just all kinds of noise what are you you laughing at man (laughs) all right got, keep going. Uh, he's uh, on the same wavelength as all right, me you're trying to tell your story Go all ahead. right children anyways but yeah they, they come down there and uh finally get to the uh, the base of the tree two of the males are fighting the other male chases the female up my tree and she gets i'm in a climber i probably i don't know, like 18 feet up 20 feet up and she gets up and she like i'm looking at her she's looking at me she's like 12 feet up and she's like okay i'm not going up any farther and then the male like swatted and she like jumped off and ran over. And I tried to shoot one of them. And I was like, I was, I was picturing how I was going to get this thing mounted. I was like, it's dead. It's 12 yards. <laughs> right. And I'm like, she, "Like it walks out from behind the tree. It's like standing there perfectly, just slowly walking broadside. And I go to shoot and just, I mean, pull the shot. Shoot right, it. Yeah, shoot right over the top of it. And it doesn't even move. It just stands there. And I try to grab another arrow. They look up at me and they're like, okay, we're going to go to the other hillside. And then they like, ran up to the other hillside. But it was four bobcats. I was like, oh my God, this is wild. But I've never seen more than one at one time after that. So, but I've, I've, I've seen multiple other ones.
1: Yeah, man, I never seen for some reason. Um, you you ain't, you ain't hunting those good spots though. I know, you know I'm not hunting good bobcat spots.
2: Yeah, <laughs> I <laughs> got <laughs> some good footage. Uh, two years ago up on Skyline, a black panther. No, it was bobcats. It was three of them. Oh, we th- them. Yeah.
1: three
0: of them. Dude, they're slipping through. You got yeah, watch yeah Bobcat out. spot. You watch out.
2: Michael, what's this quote? Yeah, what's this? Yeah, quote? I want to bring you on to this quote. What, so, what's the quote from? From the last episode that we did with PK. Okay. You know, you told me to go back and listen to it. That way I could refresh myself. 261. Yeah. So, I I was jotting down some stuff, and this one really stuck out to me. It said, uh, if you hunt, I'm paraphrasing here because I was driving and trying to text this note at the same time. So, (laughs) anyways. Um, But it says, basically, if you hunt the deer the same way, you'll get the same results. And I was like, hmm. Hmm. You need to sit there and think on that one for a little while. like. I mean, if you're not being successful, maybe because you're hunting the same exact way you've always been hunting. So basically, just you know. And then Jacob followed up with something. He had a good quote. He he basically said he said, um, "Don't don't place limitations on your mindset."
1: Yeah, well, uh, so kind of a follow up to that is, kind of on the subject of doing what you've always done, or, or doing or stopping uh, whatever practice it is that's not getting you any results that you want. When do you make that call? This is the question. I I think it's not not making
0: the call. It's it's realizing what's not working. It's not making a call. How can you make the call if you don't realize there's a problem? Well, if well, obviously
1: there's a problem if you're not seeing if if you're not successful, successful. right? But how much of it is I just need to give this more time versus this is like fundamentally something that's not going to work unless
2: I get lucky. That's a good question.
0: I I personally because the way kind of I mold throughout the season, I don't see it as like that. Way for myself is like I'm doing any one thing necessary. Other than there's one thing, and I'll mention it in just a second. When it comes to like what I should just completely change because it's not working for me, I don't see like there's any of that one thing. I think it's more like the mindset aspect of like you got to stay in the zone at all times because there's so many times I've screwed up on good deer and really, really big deer because it's 930 in the morning. I haven't seen a deer in an hour and a half, and I'm like, oh, I'm just chilling because I'm sitting there all day, or I'm sitting there till noon, and I'm trying to buy some time, and then that buck walks through at 930 or 10 o'clock,
1: and 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 he's 25
0: yards from me. You get your bow, and you're like, crap, and he's "He's through your shooting lane. It's like that kind of stuff, and it's like you can't – that comes, I think, with experience and, like, You know, we've interviewed guys before that they're always on edge. Like they're they're not playing on their phones, or they say they don't. Yeah, Uh, they're they're not reading books. They're like your mindset's. I'm here to kill a deer.
2: Right. Well, I'll tell you my how my morning hunts usually go. Mm -hmm. Like my morning hunt usually is like from basically first light to about seven a.m. You know, or maybe even less than seven a.m. I'm looking for a buck. I'm I'm you know I'm scanning. I'm listening usually from like seven to eight is usually a little time for me and i'll bring out the phone and i'll spend more time on my phone and just keep my ears peeled and then from eight to nine i'm i'm back scanning because that's usually when what i see is when the does are usually moving through Mm -hmm. and then from nine to ten is almost always dead nine to 10 I'll pick up the phone again, you know, I'll be looking at, you know, different maps and stuff like that, still keeping my ears, you know, open and uh and eyes. And um then from that basically at ten to eleven. Ten to ten thirty mm-hmm. really is still a little bit slow. But if I'm gonna see a buck, usually it starts like around that ten thirty time period. Ten thirty, well, and usually, like, around 10, I'll start throwing out some grunts just to see if I can get something coaxed to me because I know they're about to be up on their feet.
0: Even early season?
2: A- anytime. Mm-hmm. Yeah. That's what all, all I want to add that. Yeah. yeah, anytime. Anytime, but more once the leaves fall. Mm-hmm. Because, I don't know, I just feel like the deer are not moving quite as far, to me, in my opinion. Um, they're sticking, you know, a lot tighter to cover. And if I can pull and out a little bit, then, you know, I'll do that. So I usually do that. Like around 10 o'clock is when I'll throw out a few little contact grunts, just because I know that that's a typical time for for bucks to start moving. Yeah. And I'll do that all the way up until you know midday, some somewhere. You know, if I'm hunting midday.
0: Also, I will say it plays a factor of what kind of habitat you're hunting, because the the, the hunt I'm thinking of, I have screwed up on a really large deer uh, back in 2019. It was on it was like October, like first week of October and um you know it was hunting in tennessee and it was hunting a spot where i had some background noise because i had water behind me and uh it drowned out a lot of sound like i the, the i had multiple deer come in that morning that i did not hear and they were like on top of me that and it was leaves on so the first time you see them they're 18 yards you're like oh shit. you're like oh they're they're right here dude and the problem was, was messing on the phone, had that little background noise, wind was kind of blowing a little bit, birds chirping a little bit. And it's like, and again, like 9.30 in the morning, it starts to get, it's warmer now, thermals are starting to rise, get that wind kind of a little bit higher up in the in the treetops. And I just look up, dude, and there's a, a giant is. buck, and he's walking 25 yards, completely broadside, massive, just going right to left, J-hooking up to his bed. And by the time I got my bow, he had already J-hooked, I'm looking at his butt, and he's going through cover, and he's going straight away from me, up yeah. into the wind. Bummer.
2: So that's one reason why I actually stopped hunting off the ground as much. Because, you know, I dedicated a full season to hunting off the ground, uh, like a complete season. And that was one of the main factors for me not hunting on the ground anymore. Is Because when I was on the ground, the sound from the water, it made it to where I couldn't distinguish sounds that I heard. I couldn't tell which direction they were coming from. And being elevated, you're away from that, and you've got like a 360-degree You know, you can listen all around. You can listen all around versus being on the ground. And
0: use your eyes a little bit more if you're elevated like that. and and, By the way, I think I'm transitioning a little bit more, especially early season, back to a tree stand this year because I've been looking at some spots of like being able to sit still back up against the tree and like scan with your eyes and not have to like worry about like moving a lot left or right and putting my back to stuff that I'm not too worried about, okay? Mm -hmm. Instead of like with the, the saddle aspect, I had a couple situations early season where, uh, you know, deer coming out really quickly on a weak side and just not being able to get the shot off. And there's too much move. I can't get the moving off. We're like in the stand, especially being able to kind of have my back up against the tree and kind of watching like traditional how we always hunt, Um, being able to, you know, have a better kind of visual of kind of like directly what I'm looking into. But also in the situation, if I do have a deer come up behind me, having that tree still in between me and them to be able to kind of get up and get turned around. Or another thing, I'm going to stand a lot more. Like, I used to, when I used to sit in a, a tree stand, I used to sat a lot more. Dude, I'm just going to stand. I have no issue standing at all and just leaning up against that tree and just being ready at all times. Because, yeah. again, you never know when something can happen mm-hmm. and not having any kind of, like, you know, your view or not really your view, but just, like, getting in the way of being able to get a shot. Because the thing is, on a, on a stand, just being able to pivot in any direction, you know, nice and slow to be able to get your shot off is a huge factor, I think. Yeah. Um, and there's a, there's a couple situations and a couple spots I've looked at. I'm like, definitely I'm taking one of the stands in with me this year. So yeah.
1: yeah. I I'm I actually was thinking the same thing. I'm pretty eager about uh, using a climber early season in the spots that I can. Um, and I, I'm kind of considering buying another lock on for that same reason because. Uh, again the saddle I feel like I've gone kind of full circle with it. it it has its purpose but it's not like this great end all be all it's, it's all- like a tool for a specific situation if I'm
0: going this, this is the way I look at the saddle if you're going in and you have no idea where you're going to set up I like yeah. the saddle because it's lightweight yeah I, yeah. it's I'm, like I, you just, I throw it all in my backpack I don't have anything hanging off but if I'm going in with a purpose in two situations the climber comes in one and the lock comes in the other if it's a rut, if it's a rut hunt and i know i'm hunting a spot where i'm looking into a cover, and i need to get up high and climber. i know I, and there's a tree. It is. i don't care what it's going to take i'm packing a climber in. yeah I'm, I'm like that lone wolf climber that's what i'm packing in on the backpack frame and i'm just slipping through there and that's what i'm going to use yep also in the situation if it's kind of early season and i know there's some thick cover i'm going to hunt and i want to put my back to whatever the obstacle is and i want to kind of watch out towards that thick cover I don't want any. I don't want to have to deal with any kind of weak side shots when it comes to like having to deal with the saddle. Yeah. I want to lock on where I can get up. Whether it's seven feet off the ground, like in one of the places I scout, like the place I scouted over the weekend, where it's literally you're off the ground seven to eight feet. The platform seven to eight feet off the ground, and that is it. You're two sticks high, and that's it. You can't. There's no way physically possible I could hunt in this spot with a saddle. This is because the way a tree leans out and everything you have to have that platform kind of sitting there and you're tucked in between these three little trunks. Um, and it's like having those kind of ways where you can kind of hunt and always be ready and just be set up. I mean, there's everything's like a tool, a tool bag. It's like all these different skills. There's different things that you can do to have a tool in your tool bag to pull out for any situation. And that's the way it's like, I'm not going to limit myself with any one way. I'm not just going to use a climber. I'm not just going to use a saddle. I'm not going to use a, a lock on. I'm going to hunt off the ground some this year too. I'm going to use a bunch of different things along with the different tactics and skill sets to be able to make sure... I can mold to whatever the situation allows. Yeah. Yep. So when we go to when we go to Missouri, I'm taking a climber, I'm taking a lock on, a, a, like a lock on limit, a little backpack. Uh, I'm not going to take a cast stand. I don't want to deal with that. And then the saddle. Yep. And then I'm also going to take a suit, be able to hunt off the ground. I'm going to have all that just for whatever the situation is.
2: Not limiting your mind. Yeah. Your mindset. Like, that's the thing. Yeah. It's
0: like, you know, everybody's like, oh, man, you know, people talk bad about people with climbers. Like, oh, man, well, you know, you're limited where you're hunting. Well, if I know where I'm going and I know exactly the tree I'm getting in and I know I can get in the climber, why not take the climber? And yep. it's like, again, oh, oh man, I'm going to use a lock on because it's cool and I'm using sticks and climb up. Or I'm using a saddle because it's cool. There are some times when there's other pieces of equipment that's more effective and there's a reason why they've been around for so long. It's when you're going mm-hmm. with a mission and you know where you're going. Now, if you're going in blind, I'm not taking a climber. There's, there's no way, unless it's a, unless it's a habitat type, big mature pines that I know without a shadow of a doubt, I'm going to be able to get up and I'm hunting with a rifle. If I'm hunting with a bow, I'm not doing it. Yeah. Yeah. So.
1: Yeah. Um, the whole ground hunting thing, not limiting your mind. I'm thinking about it more and more, especially after re- I, I was rewatching a bunch of hunt public videos where like Zach and them are just like nailing bucks off the ground and it looks so fun, but it, it, it's also like, they're just inserting themselves into like a situation that they wouldn't be in. You know, if if they didn't have the confidence to try it, if the for the thing with me with ground hunting, this is talking bow. Like uh, I ground hunt most of the time with a rifle, um, but with a bow, I'm just like, oh, I don't know if I could get drawn, and I'm like, well. You know, if I don't go in there and try, I know I'm not going to kill it. in this new place that, right. you know, I've been map scouting a whole bunch, dude, those trails, seeing it in that savanna and that grass. Dude, I, well, I
0: I want to glass a deer and that we're going to go hunt there early season. Yeah, I, I want to go,
2: like, like let's get the spot and scope out and glass up some deer. I'm pumped. Well, to that point, I mean, you're not going to know until you do it. Mm-hmm. You know, and putting yourself in that situation, even if you do fail, it could still be better than sitting back in a place where you could get a stand and you could draw your bow, but you're not seeing any deer. Yep. So, I mean, you got to look at the trade offs, you know, you know, the, the full spectrum, you know, of, of what's going on. Yeah.
1: Yeah. And I, I, after driving that area and kind of looking through and, and, uh, and seeing the deer doing kind of what I thought they would, you know, you go through a saddle, there's tracks right there every, right. every time, uh, going out and hopefully like locating some bucks and the road access there is good enough where like you could very effectively like run cameras all over this place Mm -hmm. and find one and backtrack him like that. Uh, And so that's kind of what I was thinking about seeing the trails on the satellite maps and, and the terrain features are so pronounced um, and readable as PK was talking about Mm -hmm. that I'm like, man, why, why shouldn't I like if I find one early season, why not slip in there ghillie suit with a bow into that stuff? Cause you could get hidden in it very easily. My, my thing is when it hunt, comes to hunting off the ground is the noise factor of
0: like, okay, you're going to hunt off the ground of like, you know, Mike, you talked about this, like clearing out the ground. Like you, there's certain things, there's steps that you've got to do to put yourself in the highest. You don't just sit on the ground. Like there's yeah. certain things you need to do to make sure you're like in the right spot and also make sure you can draw back and everything without making excess noise, brush up against a bunch of stuff, all that mm-hmm. kind of stuff. Because I've hunted off the ground before and it's like when you have a lot of cover around you, you're like, Oh dude, I'm hidden but then you try to draw your bow like like to practice and you're like, there's no way because I'm gonna make so much noise, brush up against the grass or whatever else. So you gotta like yeah. you gotta make sh- you gotta come in with the mindset. If I'm hunting off the ground you gotta like you gotta prep your little spot when
1: you get set you gotta up. to have something you well, can maybe draw behind and then come up over or something like that. And I think that.
2: prepping your spot can actually be beneficial. I mean like we talked before those kind of unique or mysterious sounds makes the deer curious and what I do a lot of times is I'll intentionally make more noise you know scraping like almost like I'm making a scrape I'll scrape out an area you know in the strokes like a deer would would typically be making a scrape himself and you know I may even certain situations depending on the time of day I'm going in throw out a grunt or something like that make it sound like I'm rubbing bark on a tree and making a scrape, cause I mean that's a sound that they're used to.
1: That's the thing. We were looking at all those thermal hubs, and like where a buck could easily like lay up in one of these crow's feet, and like and and be on a point or be down in it, and be catching all those thermals. And the advantage of that area where instead of that habitat transition being right there on that military crest, where they they cut slap down to the bottom and there's no SMZ. Well, that's like that removes like a barrier for you, where he might still be laying there, but now instead of crawling through like a briar choked edge, you're slipping through like a grassland basically, to get close to him. And I could see like getting very close to him. Mm -hmm. So I don't know. It kind of opens up. It's like
2: a new exciting thing, and I'm so excited about it. (laughs) I'm ready to roll. One thing you definitely need to do is keep driving the roads, and that's what I usually will do when we're talking about like going on these different WMAs or something like that or an out-of-state trip that's like the number one thing that I think is most beneficial at least in my opinion is driving the roads in the time like a lot of people don't think to drive these roads before daylight but I find a lot of deer either feeding on the edge you know under like a light next to somebody's house or something like that Mm -hmm. or crossing the roads you know like between like four and five in the morning But, you know, driving in the night sometimes, um, just think about, like, how long it would take for, like, the traffic to die down in these areas. Like, if you're going out at night, Mm -hmm. like, in the evening, and give them a couple of hours to feel comfortable, like, going to those spots and then go drive the roads. It may be 10 o'clock at night before you ever see them there. But, you know, if you go drive those times, you know, when people typically aren't out there driving around, you can locate a lot of these deer just on the side of the road just by driving. Mm-hmm. And so once you locate those those areas, then you can kind of key in on where you think the bedding might be located around that. Yeah, that's one thing that I've
1: been wanting to do with this property because it's I haven't had a chance to like really break down like a brand new area in a while, and so it's really exciting. And I'm like, I want to go into this as a blank slate, and I don't even want to walk into anything until I drive all the roads. Like I want to drive every single road, find some tracks, you and, know. And it looks like those roads are killer for locating. Oh, they tracks are. and crossings, it's, they're it's, perfect.
0: It's, yeah, so the cool thing about that property is you could literally cut tracks on one side. And if you had something like a good way to measure that track and get a good image of that track, you could literally drive around to another road and see if you can catch him coming from valley to valley to valley. Especially, oh, yeah, especially during the rut. Now, that's right now, not so much, but like during the rut. I feel like that's that would be very, very interesting to see if you can kind of correlate that and kind of put that big pattern together of also like where these kind of hubs of travel. And also not the, like this, uh, these saddles that like these other, you know, just deer in general are using, but where are these mature bucks crossing at? Because are the mature yeah. bucks crossing with these other deer or are they crossing farther down, you know, at another, another spot? So yep. and kind that's exactly what kind of key, exactly and kind of key like in like if you drive the roads like once a week and like there's always a big track at this one spot and, but all the other deer are crossing eighty yards down from here, what is his travel course of travel and where's he coming from? Where's he going compared to all the other deer? Yeah. And how is he kind of mirroring them? That's another thing we talked about. Um who was well Paul. Paul talked about like sometimes like these mature bucks will just be, like, off the edge of, like, somewhere all these other deer are at. We and talked I, about it with Tony And Tony Myers. Myers talked about it, too. But it's, like, almost like they're mirroring what those other deer are doing, but they're doing it over here. They're like not –
1: from, like, a safe distance. Yeah,
0: but they're kind of, like, in that same kind of vicinity, but they're just far enough away where they're not being bothered by those deer, but they're kind of still in that same area, kind of doing the same thing as these other deer.
2: I was in the club and had a uh, – there was a big cutover, and I had a tree stand set up. I went in and I think we ended up killing three deer – Three younger deer, I would say probably two and a half years old, if I had to guess, was about the age of all three of them. Uh, But the big buck that ended up busting me came in through the pines behind me, and he came through, like I'd say, between 10 and 11 in the morning. Mm -hmm. All these other deer filtered up, up the draw through the middle of the cutover, and the cutover was thick like real thick, probably like three, four foot tall, had sage grass, briars, and interspersed with pines, very yep. similar to a lot of the areas that we see. Um, And he, he never went through chasing after those does like the younger bucks. He came through later in the morning, was downwind of where they came through and just cutting that edge, almost like an inside corner, like, you know, mm-hmm. um, just cutting that inside corner, you know, probably about 20 yards off the edge because I was right on the edge. That way I could see out in there. And he come mm. up behind me through the pines. I never even saw him until he had already blown, and I saw his big rack as he run <laughs> Dude, off. Hey,
0: so so I uh, speak about inside corners. So, uh, you know, did a little. I was re- doing some reading and everything, and uh, had read a little bit more about inside corners. That's something, you know, inside corners. Corners is something that I'm not used to, just because not hunting a bunch of fields, and I understand that, but I feel like you can hunt inside corners on these super fresh cutovers. Yeah, like if you had some dense cover close by, and I feel like it would be. Dynamite. I had never thought about it until you, thought, you kind of brought that up because I was trying to figure out how can you hunt inside corners down here, and uh, just kind of get people, uh, maybe listeners are like, "What the heck is an inside corner? How? What is that?" It's like the best way to describe it is like in a field. If you have like a rectangle field, or just like a, a square field, and there's timber, uh, say you know the field on the north side of the field, the north side and the east side of the field, there's timber. And there's a corner there so you have on the east side of the field there's timber and it wraps around to the north side of the field that corner right there hunting the inside corner hunting just inside that corner there the bucks are going to cut across that uh when they kind of uh are you know either running during the rut or just as motor travel because they don't want to expose themselves necessarily to uh say there's a roadway or just an open field they're going to stay inside that cover as they go around it it's an excellent funnel point you know inside that kind of habitat but instead of doing that in, like, ag country or field country, doing that around, like, a super fresh cutover. Yeah. And it's like, okay, those deer aren't going to walk out into that, but they're going to walk that edge. They're going to walk just inside that edge, cutting that corner as they're going from one habitat to the other habitat.
2: Right. Mm,
0: I like it. And mm.
2: if you can uh, if you can, put that together with some kind of bluff inside the woods or, That's you know, a creek cheating. or it's something just, like that. That's cheating, bro. <laughs> yeah it's getting easy <laughs> yeah
0: and that's also supposed to put a trail camera too
2: if you have oh, something yeah. like that that oh, would yeah. be
0: money um and there's something else we we're talking about like the whole mindset just like the whole idea like don't limit your mindset when it comes to everything and don't get so stuck in your way always be learning always be asking why always be learning and don't you know there's some guys i know you know that kill some really big deer and i dude, if you kill big deer you say whatever you want okay i'll i'll listen to it and just see if there's any takeaways. But the thing is, is there's always something to learn. And I've had some guys straight up tell me, like, dude, I don't need to learn anything else from anybody else. You know, I, I know what I'm doing. I'm successful with what I do. I, I could care less about other people's pains. I'm like, that's fine. Okay. But you yeah. have a wall. I'll, listen, you got a good wall. I'll, I'll, I'll honor that. Yep. But for the majority of us, it's also just constantly trying to figure out, you know, how can I make myself better? It's like with anything in life, how can I make myself better? And also, make sure you surround yourself with people that are kind of wanting to do the same goals. So when it comes to deer hunting, it seems like everybody's like, it's everything's going towards like, not to like use this phrase, it's been used a whole bunch, but like, I want to be like a lone wolf. I want to be like a, a, a lone hunter. And it's like, there's so much more in like the camaraderie of like having a group of guys that not only mm-hmm. all love the deer hunt, but you're all, you're all trying to grow as like woodsmen and outdoorsmen and try yeah. to get better at it. And it's not like, oh, we're going down to the, to the, the hunting camp, whatever. We're just sharing camp and having fun, drinking beer. But it's like, okay, well, how can we all get better at what we're trying to do, whether we're all hunting the same property or not and feed off each other instead of like exactly. you just being by yourself and like, oh crap, what am I doing? Like, yeah. How can I get better? Cause I have nobody around me. Go find those
2: people, dude. Yeah, yeah. man. Talk to these successful hunters, you know, the the older generation. I mean, they have a lot to teach, and you may, you know, be set in your ways and not be open-minded, but really go into these conversations with some of these people with an open mind because you can always learn something.
0: Yeah, one thing I love about, especially like this, is like I'm a very curious person, like and I'm a very passionate person. And when someone's very passionate about what they do, and they're very excited about it, and they're, they're very um, – especially if they're successful, I'm eager to learn Mm -hmm. and just just be curious of like what makes them tick. And that's the thing is like not everybody's like that, but like having that perspective of when you're trying to have these conversations, you're trying to grow is like, what am I doing wrong? You got to think about like, what are you doing and what results are you getting from that? And then per some of these other successful hunters you're talking about or you're hearing from that maybe hunt the same kind of habitat type, how can you implement and change maybe something small that you're doing to, Better put yourself in better odds. You know, one thing we talked about this earlier about like what would I change? Y'all ask me like what would I change? Whatever. The one thing I would want to work on personally for myself is exit routes, entry routes. I feel like I I pay a lot oh, of attention. Me too. Listen, I, I think I pay a lot of attention to entry routes. Like, I'm going to get in super clean, and I, I feel like check that, that
1: time I sent you that spot and you walked right through the bedding area.
0: Don't want to talk about that one. That was the <laughs> one that came to mind. I was like, let's not talk about that. <laughs> um, but anyways, but exit routes, I always feel like. I don't really pay attention to them. I make shortcuts and stuff like that. And it's like, I go in with the mindset I'm going to kill them the first time in. And a lot of times you just don't, you know, especially early season, you might not kill them the first time, but it's a good spot. You might've seen some deer. If you don't have a good exit route and an exit strategy, You're going to blow that area out. And, like, okay, it was a one time deal because you're going to go back in there. You're not going to see crap because all the does that were in there were educated. And any bucks that's in there is like, hey, I know what's going on too. Mm -hmm. So it's like, that's one thing I could work on personally is like focusing on those exit routes, how to get out clean instead of just worrying about getting in clean. Gosh, I'm
1: the same way, man. I go blowing out of there. When I get out of the tree, I'm like hungry. Dude, Andrew's terrible. He's like throwing crap, throwing stuff together. It sounds like someone's working on a motor, working on their car (laughs) out there, banging (laughs)
0: crap together. He's slapping sticks. I remember one Time. remember when we had the the running with that real big deer it was like under the moonlight while we were stuck uh there's a uh, uh. there's a there's a there's something that we were hunting a funnel we we're hunting a big bench and there's a spot that you had Risa, oh you, yeah you had a running with a really big deer oh and man and I we went in with our bows we hung in the stand and we get set up in the spot this big bench that these that these deer were crossing on and uh had a had a young buck come by us, uh yep. kinda early in the early in the evening and then it got dark and we're like kinda you know, we're t- chatting up at the tree. We're pretty high up there. We took like my four sticks, your three sticks, we were high we as were hell yesterday. O- big old oak tree and uh looking <laughs> over this bench. And, Man, that was a good and, spot. I know we're like trying and we've never been back there.
1: We've never mm. been back in that spot. I hunted it with J T with a rifle a couple times. No, but we never been Again, back that is another big giant funnel. The, our big, giant saddle that cuts one of those big ridges into yep. another one of those spots. But, anyways, we're come, trying to come out of the tree, and it's a full moon that night.
0: and Or close to a full moon. And, like, you can see everything. Like, after the like we sat in the tree because we, we were worried about deer kind of coming through. And, and we, we sat there too long. We were sitting there. It's probably been, like, 15, 20 minutes. And it's been dark for, like, 15, 20 minutes. I'm like, okay, let's, like, die down. We're just chatting in the tree, like, real quiet. And we hear, shh.
1: Just you hear and, it and you're like, "That's a buck,"
0: and we're like, and I'm like, "Shit!" and I'm like, "Dude!" <laughs> and I'm like, and the thermals are dropping and everything, and like the the way the bench the bench like rolls around this ridge, and it's on the other side of the ridge, and there's like some rocks right there, and like it's coming around, I'm like, "Oh crap!" and like you can kind of see the rocks, but I'm like, and like, and I'm like, "Oh dude," I'm, I'm I start getting chills thinking about it, dude, and we're sitting there, and all of a sudden that buck. We didn't, we didn't know night. it was a buck, but it was just like one deer, and he just walks, and he. I'm looking down in like the moonlight and everything. I can kind of see through the trees, and I see a body move, and all of a sudden, I just see his frame. I don't see the tines. I just see like his main beams, and I'm like, oh my God.
1: Yeah, and I had the binoculars, and I glassed him up, because you can still see pretty he's, good. He's
0: like 35 yards
1: from us. I, f- I flipped when I looked through the binos, dude, because <laughs> he's a big buck, like... He was a nice one. Was, and I was like, oh, my gosh. Yeah. yeah, And I was like, and you could just, I mean, in the moonlight like, you could just see his
0: frame, like, to see his main beams. I'm like, oh, my God, dude. And Andrew's like, it's a big deer. I'm like, yeah, it's a big deer. Man. Right oh, my gosh. And it, but see, oh. we, we just sat there, and he just kind of kept, he crossed the bench. He just kept going. Never, I never smelt us or never act like he did, even though I'm guarantee our thermals were dropping. Like mm-hmm. I think he smelled us. There, the way well,
1: that it, the way that it went right there, that our the hill kind of went down and made like, like a bowl. little bowl. It's and he swung around the top side, so he never smelled us because I think our thermals were sitting
2: right there, just pooling, and he went right above that pool.
0: Yeah, absolutely. Maybe it was it was well, an interesting hunt. Uh,
2: so, well, I've sat in a, I've sat in a tree stand um, waiting for deer to move out, you know, clear out, and um, I think you can get away with more the later it gets, like, into the darkness. Like, mm. you know, before dark, I feel like it's it's really touchy. But especially if you've already had deer come by and you're still sitting there and haven't been busted yet. Uh, I guess, I don't know. I guess, I, I don't know. <laughs> what are you doing, man? Well, because that makes perfect sense, what I'm just saying. If deer made it by and you didn't get blown out already, then of course that's going to work. But do you understand what I'm saying? Yeah, I I get what you're
0: saying. No, but But, I've done that before. It's like if you stay in the tree, especially like 30 minutes after, like after sun, after legal time, you stay in there 30 minutes and then get down. Deer could be coming around you, and it's like they're not spooked. No, they're like it's. It's like they have the full advantage, and they're like it's like they don't sense the presence, they don't sense the danger like it is. Right. If it's right at dark yeah. where it's like twilight or if it's still daylight same thing right. in the mornings yeah and, and glenn's uh, uh glenn solomon talked a lot about that too yep. um or just episode 116 116 it's a classic you gotta go back and listen to um with old mr glenn solomon um but yeah absolutely I mean, i've mean, i experienced that many a times especially on our family farm there was a couple spots out there where like it was one of those spots, and like now looking back at it, it's one of those spots like, dude, you better kill a deer when you go in there, because if not, the, every deer is going to know that you're in that spot, because it's, like it's like a little hub. It's a little hub on the backside of the property where the deer actually come across the road, and how we get to that property is um, is actually the property line uh, comes up to this little dirt road on the backside of the property. It's a family farm, and we normally we get dropped off there and just walk the corner of the property down in and then get up in a pine tree, and you're only going in like, 60 yards 80 yards and all these deer funnel through this one spot And there's a bunch of red oaks the problem is when you're hunting there they like to come they like to if you don't shoot one they like to linger for a while and then they mm-hmm. kind of keep on easing down to a big field and the thing is what we learned there and this is kind of just growing up like you just had to sit there and just like let them do their thing And if they didn't blow at you like again before it was dark they'd get down one of you and they, they wouldn't blow like and it's just that like they would stand there and then they kind of feed in the ease off it's right. all kind of ease. All the does would ease off. Young bucks would ease off. Then you, at one point, you just climb down the tree, slip out. Don't use a headlamp, just slip on out, dude. And it's like, no big deal. Yeah. Well, I mean, but then you're on the ground, there's ground sitting, all that kind of stuff. But it's like you didn't necessarily spook them big <laughs> right. time while you're in the tree. They did,
2: yeah, they didn't have that association, I guess.
0: Yeah, absolutely. Um, but uh, man, there was something else where we were talking about this trip. Oh, dude, that scouting trip. I want to talk about this big old buck trek I found, man. Um, so I went scouting on a, on a piece of public land I haven't been to in a few years. Um, and it's uh, a mix of agriculture, so some ag on the property and everything else. But the interesting thing is um, just kind of the, the crop rotation and stuff like that. And I don't have a lot of experience hunting a bunch of different agriculture, but went in, and scouted, uh, and uh, texting Mike and Andrew both uh, while I was up while I was kind of you know scouting this property and went to one part of the property that had like some kind of marsh area back in there and it was I was kinda of walking I was kinda of using Paul Patera's thought process like just walk the property, get a better lay of the land because I I had a general idea, but there's some stuff back there I just wasn't familiar with like what the timber looked like. And uh hiked in there and bumped a deer from his bed. It, now looking back at it, it was probably like one of these younger bucks in the area, but pretty good sized body. He kinda of got up and blew out while I was on the backside of this marsh. It was kinda of like a beaver pond right there. And uh I was on the phone with Andrew and we were talking I was like, man, I found some rubs yep. there. like, oh man, this place looks ridiculous. Like, it was all tore with the rubs. And then I heard, I'll look over, like on the like through the, like these kind of you know tore up little trees, and I see like a buck just running off. I kind of get an idea of his frame, but nothing crazy. I just see his body he runs off. I'm like, man, I just jumped a buck. He's like, oh man, we'll go over and you know try to find his bed. But And kind of eased over. And to be honest, I didn't find like a bunch of crazy signs. I found like his tracks. His tracks weren't that big, and. uh Kind of went down and was walking along this little waterway. I didn't find much of sign. It wasn't very impressive, but back up in the field, cut like some big tracks though, like really big tracks. Not far from the truck, there was actually one really big track on the backside of the truck, and I took some photos. And one of them was, you know, they're like three and a half finger tracks, uh, finger width uh, tracks, uh, which is quite large. Well, the next day I come back out there and uh, park in the same spot. Early morning, got there like at you know six thirty or so. You know, after just after daylight, sun was coming up and uh started hiking around the other side and i noticed i looked down and all these there there's these giant buck tracks there's like two or three different sets of them right there they're all coming out out through the field uh through the uh through the crop and they're going out across the road to i don't know where there's nothing over there it's just like <laughs> mowed grass and stuff they're just like walking over there i'm like that's kind of strange but they were all coming out I was like man this is weird So I kind of wrapped around the edge, got to the backside of the field, and when I get back to the backside of the field where the field like tapers back down, that's where all the sign was back there, where these deer were walking through this agriculture field. They were coming out to the back end of it. And, uh, dude, cut this one big track, and I was actually – I took some photos of it. And it's the first track I've ever seen. So I wear a size large glove. Uh, so I don't have, you know, giant hands. Um, but it was a legit, like, four-finger, just over four-finger track with. Big track. Huge track. <laughs> and uh, just walking, tracking. It was, I tracked him all the way back uh, to where he kind of J-hooked back into this big brush pile and this thicket, and dude found one heck of a spot. It was actually him and, a I think, one other buck, potentially two other bucks that were going back in there. One buck that was with him had like a three and you know three and a half uh finger width track um and then the other buck was very similar but they kind of went back and then they split off It was kind of weird like they they left where all the dosan the dosan tracks all went one direction and these bucks went another direction they were there were no small tracks over there it was all these big buck tracks jay hooking up into this uh, kind of thick cover and kind of bedding up into like some tall grasses and stuff um and you got a tree set up there but it was interesting because that place um it lays out so weird, just with the habitat and everything. It's, it's different from what we're used to, uh, but just how the bucks were using and sticking to that cover. And one thing I noticed, you know, we did an episode with uh, Troy Pottinger uh, a few weeks ago, and then we did one with him last year, uh, which is like, I think it's episode, the one from last year is like 178, I think. Uh, and he talks about these mature bucks liking to stick, and they're like kind of a, a big wood setting, liking to stick to cover and habitat, whereas it it's dimmer, it's darker. Yep. And the one thing I noticed with those tracks is outside like the ag culture field, they didn't go into any place that was like open where it was like well lit. Everything was like super thick canopy, like just dark, mm-hmm. shaded out. Yeah, super dark. And when I started getting like where I kind of lost the tracks and started getting to more open stuff, all those tracks disappeared. Like the big bucks. So that You'd find doe tracks here. All the big buck tracks were not in those like more open areas, mm-hmm. like inside the actual uh, the timber, which was very, very interesting. Uh, but anyway, I got super excited. I was up there, dude. I was like, man, I'm so excited for this season and attempted to try to go hunt up there and then uh, found a, another really interesting um, crossing in the backside of a creek where they were coming off one point, going across a beaver dam. This is on another property kind of farther down, but they came across a creek. Uh, came All these deer were dumping off a point, hitting a beaver dam, going out to this little island, and then going out to like a main, the mainland on the other side again just kind of crazy. Now that spot's pretty cool on yeah. the map. Yeah, I told PK about that. He's like, dude. He's like, I'll tell you what. He's like, man, if I was hunting that and it was a, it was a rut spot, he said like, I'd be sitting out there somewhere in that marsh, mm-hmm. catch him come across the beaver dam. Oh yeah. And I'm like, just with a rifle. He's like, dude, it'd be it'd be on like Donkey Kong. Yeah. He's like, everybody else would be kind of up in that high high stuff, kind of like closer to access. He's like, that's where I'd probably be. Man. Good crosswind.
2: Yeah, absolutely. Gotta make Excellent. time
0: to go hunt it. And see now Mike's over here on his phone, man. Just just checking stuff
2: out. Man, what you got? Yeah, cause there was a section I ran into two years ago, and uh, it was right across uh, that swamp, and um, it was just a cluster of rubs, and I was thinking early season, I bet they were in there. Right across the swamp? Yeah. Which swamp?
0: Yeah, show me the map before you describe too much of anything. Oh, yeah, 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 absolutely.
2: So you're over there? Yeah. I thought about going over there.
0: I thought about working over there.
2: I did. That's where the cluster was right there. Mm Mm-hmm. Right next to...
0: Yep. I'm Uh I'm picking up what you're putting down, my man. Picking up what you're putting down. That's why it's not a visual show right now. Yep. There'll be certain things we cannot do in a visual show. Yep. We'll have to, we'll have to stop hide, We'll, we'll have to hide it from the cameras. <laughs> 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 or just blur stuff out. Absolutely. Uh, but, anyways, just wanted to give that little update. But, yeah, I'm very excited. I, I'm telling you. I'm, I'm more... really excited
1: about that spot.
0: Right, let me ask. how? What is y'all's excitement level for this coming season versus, like, other seasons in the past? 12 out
1: of 10, man. 12 out of 10. I, I think for the property you scouted, I think that there's no reason – we should not kill a big buck up there early season this year. There's no reason, for real. We we have enough history with it. Like we've scouted it enough, we've hunted it enough. If we put some time in, like depending on when y'all's trip is and everything, like. But if we went in there with like three or four people and really hunt that, like someone's gonna either shoot one or miss one. I think. So I'm super excited about that. I'm I'm really really excited I'm, about that I'm ve- area.
0: I'm very confident. Very confident out there. Um, and also just kind of confirming kind of stuff that we had thought about, like how they were crossing and bedding in different parts mm-hmm. of the property, um, and actually seeing that and cutting big buck tracks and some other places too where they were kind of, like, slipping through and kind of bedding uh, in, like, more, like, the, kind of, like, these transitional zones. It, w- it was really kind of interesting and kind of eye-opening seeing that kind of stuff. And, and also, I'm curious to see how much that's going to change come season, though. Uh, but I, I know when, like, you know, pressure gets up, they're going to do certain things and, you know, kind of the spots that – I kind of climbed a couple of trees just to kind to see, like, kind of what kind of vantage I had. And got a couple of different trees that are, like, set up, ready to go uh, that um, are yeah. just jam up. So, very, very excited. But, yeah. But Mike, what about you? What's your excitement level for this season?
2: Oh, yeah, I'm excited. There's mm-hmm. going to be a a lot in store for this season. Yeah, I boy. Mean, dude, you're, you're a hunting. lot of new areas. You'll be hunting one, two, a three. A lot. At
0: least four states you'll be hunting. Hopefully. Hope, hopefully. 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 So nice. That's going to be awesome. Me too, bro. Me and Mike go to four states. Andrew's going to be like, I might do just one, maybe two.
2: Two. Two. He's like. Dos. Dos. Yep. Might start working out overtime. <laughs> hey
0: man, just, yeah work a little bit during the week man kind of make some cash right now and just but like, hey come deer season man we're gonna you won't see old pike for a while yeah <laughs> but he's gonna have he's gonna have one hell of a taxidermy bill this year yeah he's gonna call, yeah. he's gonna call it knocked on some wood too just not, not not trying to jinx him or anything get a bigger <laughs> truck bed <laughs> that, get her done then you're gonna you're gonna learn how to cape deer heads yeah. keep it off their face when we go out to missouri dude but, uh, no, I'm I'm super excited. But uh appreciate everybody that's still been listening to the podcast. Hope you've enjoyed this outro as well, along with the uh, the main episode with PK. Again, it's been a blast. Um, again, make sure you tune in for next week's episode. Uh, just kind of keep on rocking and rolling throughout the summer. By the way, if you still listen to the episode, then clearly you're a diehard. And I'm sure you've already probably left us a review on iTunes. But if you haven't, go to iTunes, uh, Apple Podcasts, if you're listening on that platform, which, you know, per analytics, about 70 75% of you guys do – uh leave us a five-star review absolutely also hey we got some giveaways bro where are they at the kitchen oh, the little key the, chain the, the, yeah, little kitchen yeah let's talk about it man maybe let's do something with the uh i don't know do we want to base it around um do we want to base it around reviews do you want to base it around sharing with buddy what do you think are we gonna make a post about it? what you
1: think uh, i guess let's go with the post post okay be the so, easiest
0: so, way. Ch- so check out sometime this week probably on monday or tuesday we're gonna make a post uh, where we get some uh, southern outdoorsman uh leather tab keychain um rings that we've got and we actually have had them and they're pretty freaking awesome anyways mm-hmm. kind of give those out to you guys so you can kind of be wrapping uh, some other southern Outdoorsman merch before we launch some real merch which are super i can't for.
2: wait till the new merch yeah, hopefully kinda...
1: we're about two three weeks out maybe we'll
0: yeah. see yeah well for yeah, yeah, for sure. It's it's exciting. I'm excited about one of the For designs, some of it. For some of it.
1: Yeah. Oh, it's juicy. Got a lot of stuff in the wings.
0: Absolutely. But anyways, please share the podcast, guys, with, uh, with other buddies and friends and everything else. And also, by the way, if you're on social media and, uh, again, you see somebody maybe asking questions about maybe a specific topic that we covered on the podcast... Please, if you don't mind, hey, share them a podcast episode number for them to go check out and, and listen to that might cover a specific topic that they're talking about or asking about. So I know y'all been fantastic. And also, make sure you're on our Running Good White Tail Hunters page. You know, Michael, unfortunately, hasn't been on social media for quite a while after having his phone take a, a take a, a little <laughs> swim. It lives in Smith yeah. Lake now. Yeah, it's down about 180 feet down. But, uh,. <laughs> Anyways, he hasn't been on social media, but if you are on social media, go check out and join our Running Gun Whitetail Hunters Facebook group, where we are literally about 300 people away from breaking 40,000 members, which is pretty awesome. So uh, that's that's our little baby. Over there, you can go over there and join the conversation <laughs> with everything else. And you can see me make fun of myself on a weekly basis as well.
1: <laughs> and check out the Chick fil A chick. Was it on there? Yeah. Yeah, yep, yeah yep. it's on there. The Chick-fil-A again, Chick fil A chick. Again, you got to go dig through the comments for that one. <laughs> it's, it's juicy comments. It is hilarious. Dude,
0: yeah, you'll, you'll die laughing. But, anyways, appreciate y'all listening. Make sure y'all tune in for next week's episode of the Southern Outdoorsman podcast. And hey, y'all stay Southern. Thanks again, everybody, for tuning in to another episode of the Southern Outdoorsman. And thank you to Blackberry Smoke for the music for the podcast also to follow along with us make sure you check us out on facebook instagram and youtube and if you'd like to support the show you can go to patreon.com forward slash the southern Outdoorsman. until next time y'all stay southern
1: To be, if you are the kind of hunter that listens to this podcast, this show was literally made for you. It is an excellent group of people that are going to be there. A lot of whitetail killers from around the southeast are going to be there. You're going to get to talk to them, shake their hand, learn from them in person, make some connections. And, guys, we get a lot of questions about.